So let's be real. Home is the place where all of the beautiful goodness Christ taught crashes headfirst into the ugly brick wall that is real life. But this is also where it starts to really matter. This is where we equip ourselves and our family with all of the tools, skills, and whatchamacallits vital to succeed in Christ. Join us in our journey to find light, positivity, and specific practical ways to make our homes little outposts of heaven so we can better brighten wherever we end up wandering. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Outposts of Heaven, the podcast. I'm Emily Jordan. I'm here as always with Andrew Jordan, my awesome husband. Hey everybody. And um, today we're super, super thrilled to welcome Al Carraway. Um, we're really excited to have her talk with us. She has a lot to offer. And before we get started with that, though, um, Andrew, can you go ahead and give our new listeners a rundown of who we are and what we're doing here? Yes. So for everybody who's joining us again, or for if you're joining us for the first time, uh, Outpost of Heaven, the podcast was or is a podcast that Emily and I started because we we're really committed to the idea of your home being an outpost of heaven, that heaven can be felt in your home. And it's a place where we go to find refuge, a place where we get strength uh, so that we can go out into the world and project the power of heaven in the rest of the world. Uh, And with that goal in mind, we decided that we wanted to talk about topics that we hear a lot about in church or in Sunday school um, or um, among believing people uh, and really dive in and talk about what they mean and how they apply on the ground level. Because sometimes when we talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ, it can be really, really lofty um, and seem kind of grandiose and larger than life. And we want to talk about what it means to apply the principles of, of the gospel of Christ in everyday life. Excellent. And we love doing this. Yep. So, um, so, like I said, we're here with Al. Hi, Al. Hey, how are you? We're great. <laughs> we're happy to see you. <laughs> she is an amazing public speaker. She's a motivational speaker. She's written three books, uh, More Than the Tattooed Mormon, Wildly Optimistic, right? I still need yep. to read that one. Oh, um, that's and then, the best one. I really need to read it. Yep, My do. sisters read it, and she said it was amazing. What was the one that we read together? We read The Cheers to Eternity. Okay. And that one was amazing, too. Yeah, I so. really liked that one. I honestly, um, Emily came to me, what, like two years ago, three years ago? Yeah. And said, like, hey, we should read this book together. And I'm like, I don't really know. I don't know, know if I buy into this <laughs> whole, This might like, be a girly book. <laughs> this might be a girly book. And I, I'm really cautious of, like, uh, of books written by believing people because sometimes they come off as like the gospel according to yeah gospel according to al Mm -hmm. Uh, and that really turns me off i'm like i i have a hard enough time like under like getting the pure gospel like i don't want to kind of mix in other people's (laughs) interpretations um but uh i was super surprised by how much i enjoyed your book i felt like it was super down to earth and there was there was a frank discussion about gospel principles um, and how they apply in real life, but it was never like it was never like a tinted interpretation. I guess does right. that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's a nuance that's really hard to to tap into, and it's something we try and do here because we don't want to be we're not authorities, and we never want to come off as authority gospel authorities, right? Uh, but we think that being there to start the conversation can be beneficial. Mm-hmm. And I felt that your book did that amazingly well, and I actually really yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah, we Yay, good. Yeah. <laughs> and then I were just talking about that book because we often forget that we have that book. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it 
underrated. Every time we like thumb through it, we're like, oh yeah, I like this. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I like that it was like a a like a co-spouse effort, right? Because you guys. Oh, both it was so fun to do that one. Uh huh. Right, and it was so fun. And I'm thinking back on it that that approach kind of served as, as like the groundwork for our later work and what has like led to us starting the podcast with this idea like let's try and work together and bring on the skills of both of us Mm -hmm. because together we can make something better than we can make on our own yeah so So basically we loved it (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so can you go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit tell us a little bit about your family and where you just moved and all that fun stuff yeah so i'm originally from new york stayed here up until i was 21 Joined the church uh, right before I turned 21. Against my will, moved to Utah. Was there for several years. Uh, Met my husband. But he wasn't in Utah, but I was. We pen-palled each other for like a year and a half. Uh, Lived on the West for over a decade. Just barely made it back to New York. And so I have three kids with me. And we just got a new puppy to yesterday, the other day. (laughs) Um, we have a one-year-old that's our youngest six-year-old I write books speak a lot I don't know awesome (laughs) so did you move back to the place that you grew up in yes I that's so cool uh, coincidentally and not not on purpose I am on the exact street I grew up on wow which mm -hmm, didn't that wasn't planned and actually growing up and even when I left New York I'm like I hate New York. I just didn't not I didn't think much of it. And we tried to move back and we were here for less than a year a few years ago. We move a lot. I like hated I hated being here. I hated it so much and mm-hmm. I'm like it's just the East Coast just isn't for me. Um but then God, he made us come back, but being <laughs> back here has been so great and yeah, I am literally on the same exact street a few houses down from the the, ho- the house I grew up in. My kids are going to the school I went to, and it's, like, blowing my mind. It's kind of freaky. That would be so strange. (laughs) Yeah. That would be really weird. Yeah. We moved back to Louisiana, where I grew up, and I never expected to move back to Louisiana, but I'm not. I'm still an hour and a half away from where I grew up. I never wanted to come back. I was, I'm the complete opposite of everyone's like, Oh, I, I want to stay where I've always lived and your family's all around. And I'm like, mm, no, I'm fine. Yeah. Not <laughs> being with family. I'm fine being far, far, <laughs> far away. And somehow against my will yeah. without thought, I ended up in the exact same spot. <laughs> That's awesome. And so I take it. You're not in like New York city, right? No, I'm upstate. I'm actually, we live on the beach. So uh, Canada is on the other side. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. As far north as you can go. Yeah. Very cold. How pretty. Do you like the cold? No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 It got down to like like 50 today and Emily about died. I was like wearing my parka. Like this is not fun. (laughs) Girl, I just moved from Arizona. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, it's about uh, with wind chill. It's about, you know, a negative 20 is average for living on the water. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Nope. Nope. You have to trickle the water at night so it doesn't freeze your your pipes. You have to keep the water trickling throughout the night during the winter. That is weird. (laughs) We never had to do that in Russia. No, we did not. Crazy. Russia? We We both served served missions. Yeah, served missions (laughs) for the church in Moscow. 
That is literally the coldest place to ever exist. It was very, very yeah. cold. Yeah, and we were in like the warmer part of Russia, though. It's yeah. so, like we weren't in Siberia or Vladivostok. We were no, but it still got down to like negative forty. Yeah, negative forty was the coldest that I saw. Yeah, negative twenty blows. Yeah, you yeah. blew me out of the water. It's yeah. cold, but once you get past like like negative twenty, I feel like it same. just <laughs> it feels the same. Even like past zero, it almost feels like yeah the same. I guess I don't know. That was my, that's how I remembered. It was just like, it was painfully cold at zero and it was just as painfully cold at negative 10 and like all the way up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. It's cool. Yep. I remember. And polar times, plunge like, every New Year's and we jump in the, the water uh, <laughs> every year. And, and the, the hardest part is just taking your clothes off, getting down to your swimsuit. But when you jump in the water and you come out, you just, your body goes into shock. And so we're sitting there freaking out, completely dry. But then when you're soaking wet, standing in snow and ice, we're just standing there having conversations with each other in wet bathing suits, like not even faced. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that sounds No, that's so true. And we we actually had a baptism one time. Like we had to break through the ice in a river (laughs) to get to the water. And like, it was, it was cold. Like it was very cold. But it's like, as soon as you got in, it was... It was just like you said, like your body kind of goes into shock a little bit. You know, the shock shook all your sin out of there. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, what do you got for me? Yes. So today we're talking about uh, following promptings, following the spirit. um, And we thought that Al would be a great guest to have on for this topic um, just because of the I've heard her speak and I've heard I've read her books. I mean, two of them. I need to read the other one. But um, from reading her content and listening, I've felt impressed that she has at least a lot of practice with falling promptings. And even in her intro, I have she a lot said, of practice with my life falling apart. <laughs> <laughs> Which is another way of saying falling right. promptings. <laughs> <laughs> but like, even in your intro, you said that you moved back to New York against your will or no. Yeah. Well, you moved to Utah against your will. Every you move still I did have it. done has been. You still did it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm kind of like Soraya. It's like you're you can you can do what you're told, but you're just gonna complain and worry and wonder like the whole time you're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it, but I'm gonna yell at you a little bit. <laughs> and that's something we've talked about before. Like the yeah. like sometimes when we talk about like following promptings or following the Lord, we put this like this finish on what we think we should look like or this like glaze mm-hmm. and we think that we should just kind of maybe not mindlessly but a step above mindlessly follow uh and we shouldn't have any problems and we shouldn't complain uh and like we should never be mad at the lord but like oh we no can... no yeah we've this talked where about... the new yorker convert comes in for yeah. me <laughs> <laughs> so i'm like one you tell a new yorker to not raise your voice and be mad and be blunt tell a new yorker to not be blunt it won't it doesn't exist <laughs> And then you throw in the the convert aspect, but I, I had lost everyone. I didn't have any friends that were members. I didn't have any family mm. that were members. And, you know, people drove up to two hours to get to church. I'm not around other people during the week. And uh, and and so I'm just guessing on my own, trying to, to figure out who is the supposed God and is it all in our head because it sounds nice. And, and if I am going to experiment and put it to the test to prove all of these Christians mm. wrong, Christians as a whole, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it long enough 
um, to allow contrast to happen if it were to happen. And to me, the only way that I could, I, you know, I've never prayed before. What the heck? How awkward mm-hmm. is that? Just talking to yourself, you know, <laughs> aloud? Like, that's weird. But I was going to do it because I'm on this mission to prove all these people wrong. And and no one told me this is this is how you do it or this is wrong. And so I'm just telling, I'm just talking like he's standing right in front of me. And when things didn't make sense, like, I'm going to tell y'all about it. And if mm-hmm. I'm mad, I'm going to tell y'all about it because right. one, that's who I am. But two, no one told me any different. But that has been the foundation of him becoming real, like a, an actual two-person relationship. And, and I learned very quickly that your you know specific prayers get specific answers. And the more I yell at him and the more I complain, it's actually the more I'm productive with him in problem solving. Mm-hmm. And so I have never felt bad about yelling at him because yeah, I yell at him, but then I sit there and I work it out with him because I trust him enough to work it out. I don't just complain and sit still and, and, you know, throw my fists at the skies. It's, it's problem solving. That's my process. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And I feel like if we really sincerely want a genuine relationship with him, we have to be genuine with him. Right. So. And, and like, we have to be genuine with ourselves yeah. about our relationship with him. Right. Sure. Like we can't like lie to ourselves and say, Oh, I, I think our good relationship with God looks like X. And so I need to act like X in my relationship with him. Like I have to be genuine. And that doesn't mean, I, I, I don't think that means that we, like never try to be kind when we pray to heavenly father. Like we don't try. It doesn't mean that we have like totally unfiltered aggression or opinions or whatnot. Like we can still try and be nice to him, (laughs) but we need to be genuine in our relationships with Mm -hmm. him. Mm -hmm. And I really like everything you brought up, especially because um, we have a lot of listeners who are not members of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. In fact, that's one of the reasons we started this podcast is we felt that, um, we wanted to have a larger conversation with believing people from a bunch of different uh, faiths or sects. And so with that in mind, um, I want to talk a little bit about what, a, when we say prompting like receiving a prompting or receiving a personal revelation, what does that actually mean on the ground level? It's like explaining to the people who have no idea what we mean when we say that, how would you explain to that person what a prompting is? So, well, that is, it's God. He's speaking to you. I like to think of it as like, um, you know, we have our souls, we have our spirits. And and I feel like my soul and my spirit, they know more than I do. And it's kind of just like, they're leading me along. Now, God, I believe that God talks to his everyone and believer or not. I feel like he guides every single one of us. Mm, Definitely. And and I do, he obviously, God speaks to all of us, whether we believe him or notice him or or not, but he also speaks to us in different ways. And I believe that God is real and he brings us to the better things. And most times that that is through a path that is unwanted or longer than anticipated or unexpected or uncharted and and, you know, I've met people where it's like, oh, I heard God say that to me. He came to me in like a dream. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing. That has never happened to me before. <laughs> yeah, me <either. laughs> so if I believe that there is a God and he is real and he his whole purpose is to bring me to better things, 
that's great. But how do I figure that out for me? And how can I figure that out when it's coming differently from what I see he's doing with everyone else? Because I'm not having these visions and dreams. And that's hard, especially when a lot of the examples in scripture, Bible, that's usually how they come. It's like, oh, they showed up. Right. Oh, well, well, good like for you. But like literally shows up in front of you with the sword. <laughs> that's not happening over here in my, my New York home. No one's shown shown up. Um, I, I, a prompting I think is, is God telling you to do and go a certain way because he knows something we don't. Um, how he tells us that is, is different per person. It's different for me than it is my husband. And it's going to be different for you than it is for anyone else. Like I said, nothing extreme or big is happening on me. I am not someone that has a lot of um, sacred experiences where I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's, it, it, I like that you're talking about how it's going to be different for each person. Uh, but maybe talk a little bit, if you could talk a little bit about your experience and figuring out how you or how to recognize your own personal promptings, right? Because you went so, from a place of not believing in God, it sounds like, uh-huh. to believing in God very much. And so like you yeah. made some transition at some point. Yeah. So I, at first, before I could recognize anything, um, it's actually still the same. Um, before I found and followed God, I am this stubborn New Yorker where I don't need help from anyone or anything, especially not God. And so I'm out to prove them wrong. And, and really it started as a... I just couldn't stop thinking about it. So that was actually my first like red flag of, uh Oh wait, something is changing because it, I can't stop thinking about it. That means I need to spend more time figuring that out. And it's actually kind of the theme of my life now to figure out what path I should be doing and what direction I should take things in is, um, to me, I believe that God speaks to me in reoccurring thoughts. If something comes back more than once, I absolutely 100% am going to take it serious. And the more it doesn't make sense, the more uncomfortable or unwanted or bizarre and even illogical, the more I'm like, mm, that's not my, that's not me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Can I ask a follow-up question about that real quick? Um, so how do you differentiate between promptings and just reoccurring fears because sometimes uh, we all good. To do things that we're afraid of but sometimes we're also just afraid of things yeah no so um reoccurring thoughts like i said if they come back more than once i'm going to pay attention to it but i believe that all good things come from god and that includes feelings and so one pay attention to how you're feeling are you confused and and obviously I can be mad and I can be scared, but there will always be some level of good to boost you up if it's the right thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, when we moved to Arizona, to New York, just barely, we lined it up so that we would drive across the country 44 hours straight, all five of us in one car with a hundred pound dog and and we ended up, everything went wrong and we ended up being houseless. 
and, and homeless. And now we're living in a hotel room and we don't know how long that's going to be. And every night I tuck my kids into this cot in this hotel room. And I'm thinking my kids deserve a house. Like what, why, if I'm doing what I think I should be doing, why is it not working? Uh, should I have gone back? Did we make a mistake? Do I need to give up? Do I need to jump ship? I mean, when you're literally homeless and you have an entire family that you're trucking along with you with this decision, you have these questions of, do I go back? Do I stop? Was this wrong? Or do I push forward? And sometimes that could even be asked differently of, is this God telling me it's wrong? Or is it Satan stopping me from doing what's right? Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. And so then you do like this back and forth and then I don't want to do the back and forth game. And so I just know that you pay attention to how you're feeling. Like, is it worth, worth the fight and the effort? And every time when it is, there's something good that's coupled with the hard and, and the confusing. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, and sometimes it's just a feeling of comfort. And sometimes it's just a feeling of a new avenue popping up. And sometimes it's just the feeling of, I got another day, another mm -hmm. day to, to get a, another go at it. Yeah. Um, something that I've heard a lot of people ask before is how do you know if it's you or how do you know if it's a prompting of the spirit? Um, and in my life, I just feel like it doesn't really matter as long as it's good. But what would you have to say if someone were to ask you that? Uh, if it's me or the spirit? Yeah. If it's your own thought or if it's Heavenly Father trying to talk to you. Well, probably it probably is. Just do it. Why right. are you spending <laughs> so much time thinking about it? Because for me, the adversary or Satan or this negative force in the universe, whatever you want to look at it is... He's not going to get me to commit some major sin. I'm not going to be doing some crazy things to do wrong. But for me, my, my biggest setback is standing still. I think the mm -hmm. adversary wins the most battles by us standing still. Um, so anything to stop us from moving forward and figuring it out or even continue just crying unto God. Um, that's the adversary and that's the adversary winning. And I refuse to let some pathetic attempt <laughs> to, to bring me down. And so um, I kind of learned this the hard way, although it's for me been so far a hundred percent foolproof. And that is God does not always tell us what is right, but a hundred percent of the time for me so far, mm -hmm. he will always tell us what is wrong. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the time you go back and forth and you're like, is it me? Is it the spirit? Is this right? Or this wrong? And yes or no questions is like dead end the worst. That is, mm -hmm. that is the best way to stand still is ask God yes or no questions because it placed the responsibility on him. And then you just sit back and you're waiting and you're wondering and you're wandering. And, and I realized sometimes you just need to pick and you, and you say, a good, a good example of this, although I have so many my whole life really is we were in Arizona. We were going on a year of unemployment. I was pregnant with my second child. We had no health insurance. I was never able to go to the doctors. I have no idea if my child is a boy or girl or healthy or have two heads or five hands or no hands. I don't know. And, and we're down to literally a hundred dollars in my bank account. 
And I get a call saying that I have a job in uh, Utah paying twice as much as I was before. And that you could say is a miracle, but I didn't want to leave Arizona. So this was actually the worst thing for me to hear. And I went and and I didn't have time to go back and forth with the yes or the no. Is it right? Is it me? Or, you know, and so I just picked, I just, you just, sometimes you just pick and you move forward and you pay attention Mm. to what's going on, what you're feeling. And, and I just told God, I said, Hey, I'm not taking it. Like, thank you. I know you were there because this showed up, but, but it's not what I want. And I'm going to wake up and I have to tell them yes or no. And I'm going to tell them, no, if this is wrong, you better stop me because Mm -hmm. this is what I have chosen. And you bet your butt. I woke up at four in the morning that night, just shot up. And I'm like, this is terrible. Like I need that job. That is, that is right. I, I, woke up on my own and I knew I made a huge mistake. And so sometimes the best thing you can do is just choose, just give God something to work with. Mm-hmm. And, and so just choose it and and then focus on what you feel because he will tell you what's wrong. That's a, that's a promise from yeah. him. No, I definitely like that. I, I really like what you said about uh, emotions being from God and being like a good thing. Uh, because sometimes I approach emotions as being something that confuses how I hear the spirit or how I, how I think, because I, I tend to be more analytical, but looking back at how the Lord speaks to me very frequently, like those emotions are the clearest indicator to me. Um, like thinking about so many times where we've had really kind of like heart wrenching decisions to make where we were in a place with a job that we really liked. Uh, and we felt that it was, was not right for us. And I didn't exactly know why, but we felt really strong. And the Lord was like, no. And I was like devastated. But at the same time, there was like that peace attached to it. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes I think when we look for emotional responses or emotional answers, we want the emotions to be purely 100% positive. And like, we expect like, okay, if God's speaking to me through emotions, it's going to be completely clear. And, it, and there's going to I'm be, gonna be happy to make that yeah, complete, yeah. complete happiness. But that's not the realm that yeah. God exists in, or we exist in, like we exist in a realm of complex reality. And that means that we're going to feel a tug and we're going to be like Christ in the garden of Gethsemane as he's suffering. It's like, I'll do this, but it sucks. And so you can have those complex emotions because that's the realm that God exists in. He exists in the realm of complex emotions. And so looking for the positive emotion in the midst of the turmoil will help kind of will help us understand where the Lord is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what are some of the blessings and rewards that you've seen? in your experience of like following the Lord's will, even though it was not your own? Oh, my entire existence lit. Like, <laughs> no, for real. I, Does it take... I, Sorry. I don't think I have ever received anything that I have pleaded for and prayed for. I mean, sure. Maybe minor things like, you know, safety and, and, but like, the jobs I wanted, the places I lived, the people I was interested in, and my whole career path not ever went how I was asking for them to. And this is actually, um, 
my whole entire well, my, my 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 life is the series of going from bad to worst, even worse. That's just it's just how it is. And the first time, I mean, I joined the church, and here I am thinking life is so good. I'm so I, like I, I thought people only turned to God because something was going wrong in their life as some sort of emotional comfort, and that's not me. You know, I loved what I was doing. I loved who I was, and and I thought, oh wow, wait. If life was good before, now that I have a, a a God who is all power and all knowledge, like I'm gonna be unstoppable. Are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> like, and it wasn't until right when I got baptized that everything completely fell apart. And I'm like, wait a second. Wait, it wasn't until I got baptized that I I I knew this this painful physical loneliness and and an anguish like i have never known such you know i never knew i never knew until i got baptized and how is that how is that <laughs> and so <laughs> i had to do some serious problem solving in the beginnings like wait if we are in the pattern of life of hard and sucky, regardless of God and your efforts towards him. How am I going to react to that? What's the plan? How can I figure this out? So I'm not struggling the rest of my life, waiting for things, waiting and pleading for things to be over or things to be different. And I'm by nature an optimist. And that doesn't mean that you're happy all the time or that bad things don't come. It just means that you are problem solving. You're looking for different things you know that regardless of what's happening, there is always another way to look at it. What is it? Now, if you put in the work and you know that God is real and things are not going how you're pleading for, what's the reason? I learned that that God is a limitless God. And I, I realized I was subconsciously putting this box around him of how he comes to us and helps us. And what I learned about him thus far was actually stopping me from him showing me what else. And so I think if we get in this uh, productive mindset of, wait, there's another way to look at it. What are they? Wait, I believe that God is always there. So if he is silent, if he, if I'm not seeing him, what else can I be learning that I haven't learned of him right now? By removing this, this box of how he comes to us can show us what else from God and, and what next from God. Um, I wouldn't be married. I wouldn't have kids. I would have never wrote a single book, let alone multiple books. I would never be a public speaker. I would never, I would never, I would never, I don't know who I would be if it weren't for embracing the unexpected, knowing who is guiding me. What did that process of removing that box around God look like? It took me to my lowest of lows of desperation in trials to get me humble enough to get rid of this narrow vision of desires I had for myself. Goals mm -hmm. are good, but but man does it really, you know, take a lot to get you off that path of what you want when you set those goals for yourself and and it's not until I like to think I'm a level-headed and I'm smart and logical. Um, and, and that's actually probably one of my biggest downfalls. And I feel I, cause I feel like I could make the best decision for myself and that's not accurate.
Mm-hmm. That's why I like to think of my reoccurring thoughts as like my soul living in me remembers more than I do. And it's just trying to to bring me down this path that I didn't even know existed for myself. Um, yeah, that's really cool. I like that image. It's almost like our spirits are trying to remind us because like we came to earth and our bodies don't remember anything about who our spirits were before this life. But it's like our spirits are trying to remind us and trying to like get us back on track. Yeah, so. and for it those for, for those of our listeners who are not members of the Church of Jesus Christ Latter Day Saints, like uh, just get, provide a little bit of background on what we're talking about. So we believe that before we came to this world, all of us, every single one of us on the earth today that has ever lived and will ever live, uh, lived with our heavenly Father, um, and we chose to come down here and receive a body and and there's a whole great lesson about why that took place and we can talk about that another time but uh i, I think that play is a super important or cool thing when you think about what we're talking about now how like our spirits remember and they are closer to god and they were very close to god before we came here and that's why having a relationship with god feels so good because it's so familiar there's something that's that is just so natural for us to be in communication with God. It takes one time to 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 give God the chance to show us how great he really is. And once you do it one time and you see the fruits that come from it, it'll make the next time that much easier. He's like, "Well, I believe that our God is an unchanging God." And we're like, "Cool, cute. That means commandments." But really, it's like, no, our guiding God will always be a guiding God, and that will not change. Our loving God will always be that, and that will not change. Our helping God, you know, that won't change. So if he helped me before, he will help me again. And so it just takes one time to just be like, I'm going to see my seasons through. I'm going to see what happens from this, you know, and, and like I said, sometimes that's a path that's longer than you want it to be or harder than you think you could handle. But then you're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> X, Y, and Z wouldn't have happened. I wouldn't have X, Y, and Z had I not done that path. And so it's just like, holy crap. I look back now and it's like, there's no way I could ever live any different because every single moment I'm screaming at God, wondering where he is and if he cares still about me. It's every time I was wondering where he is that has brought me to everything that I love the most, the best mm-hmm. things, you know, my, my favorite things. And so it's just like, <clears throat> I have to see it through because otherwise my life, I'd hate it. <laughs> yeah. can, you talk, I, I, can you talk a little bit to the, the person who's going through this journey, going through this process, maybe for the first time, right? So they're going through that first, that first hard valley or, um, and they are following the Lord because they trust, trust him and love him, but it's really rough. And they haven't seen that, that place that you're talking about where you've seen all the things that you love and you've seen that the Lord brings you to there, brings you there. Uh, what advice would you give to that person? Hold on, stick with it and, and stick to him. I mean, you may be in a hard season right now, but seasons don't last forever. And, and, Truthfully, I mean, each season has its own blossoms. I mean, you have to have this perspective that God is in charge. Like, and if he is all good is always there because God is always there. Are you seeing it? 
If not, then you need to look at things differently. It's not healthy to be in this doom and gloom. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, we're allowed to feel upset. Yeah, we're allowed to feel mad and frustrated, but it's up to us whether or not we want to live there. Mm-hmm. And I have, I, 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 I'm literally on the floor screaming at God, thinking I, my, my faith and my God are failing me. I don't know how many times. It's my whole theme of my life. But I refuse to believe that that's it. It's mm-hmm. not. And so through holding on and seeing it through and embracing the unexpected and and changing your perspective, um, taking away these limitations that we might, you know, be placing on him to make us feel like he's not there and he's not speaking and he's not guiding. When we take those away, that's when you realize, wait, things are blossoming and they have been and it's just gone right over my head. So just, you just keep going. You're going to be great. (laughs) One day you'll stop and you'll look around and you'll just be so grateful for, for where you are and what you have and what you've gained along the way. And you'll, you'll not want to change a thing. Right. And I think that phrase hindsight's 2020. I mean, when you look back after the seasons are over, it's easier to see why you needed it and how heavenly father was always there and why all these things happened to happen. And, it was all him. Yeah. So. And like, it, it's interesting that in some ways it gets easier and some ways it stays just as hard, right? Like the Lord like puts you in situations that are like difficult for you at whatever level you're at. And so like he, like if you get stronger and you, you start trusting him more, he puts you in harder and harder and harder situations <laughs> because he needs you to grow. Uh, but at the, um, at the same time, it also gets easier because you, kind of get the rhythm and the feel of it. And you're like, okay, so like, I've seen this before. I know that if I just keep going, mm-hmm. that it's going to work out. Right. I mean, that's exactly to me, that's what faith really is. Right. Mm-hmm. It's saying like, I'm, I'm going to keep going because I believe that the Lord's going to do for me this time that what he's done for me before. And I don't know exactly what that looks like at the end, but I know exactly how I'm going to feel at the end. Like I'm Perfect. going to feel happy and I'm going to feel loved Mm -hmm. and I'm going to feel like I'm exactly where I need to be. I think we forget that the unexpected is God intervening. And I think that we sometimes forget that his entire existence is to bring us to the best things. And I think we forget that we don't actually really want things our way. And I think we forget how thrilling it is to live by faith. And, and I mean, our, my biggest question that I've always kind of self-reflect on, like, am I allowing God to be God? And, you know, what if every step is the miracle? Right. I was like thinking about God as like the author of our lives. Um, And it's a really cool concept when you think about how, um, you know, the books and the movies and the the TV shows that really capture our attention and really inspire us. They're not like the boring ones where everything goes right in the people's, in the actors' lives and the characters' <laughs> lives. They're There's not the ones, problems. they're not the ones that like, where like they have a, they have a perfect little idyllic life. They're the ones where something happens and there's a call to action and they have to leave their comfort zone and they have to, you know, they have to go to Mordor and climb Mount Doom, or they have to, uh, they have to leave Israel and go 
build a boat and go across the ocean or whether they're Abraham and their dad tries to kill him, kill him. And then he has to flee and go to this other place and wage war on all these people. And like, so there's all of the great stories that we love and we see inherent value in because of the growth that the characters go through and because of the adventure and because of the thrill um, they are stories of leaving comfort zones. They're stories of the unknown and charging into it and coming out better and stronger. And sometimes we want, we want to be the hero at the end of the story without having to go through the story and without having to leave and, mm-hmm. and experience the unknown. Um, and it's, again, it's really exciting to talk about it now in this kind of isolated situation um, where we're like kind of not idealizing, but we're talking about it from a, from an eternal perspective, but it does kind of suck when you're in the middle of it. (laughs) Like, I don't want, I don't want any of our (laughs) listeners to get this idea that we don't think that it sucks when you're in the middle of it, but I I do know that it's, it's worth it. Yeah. I've always held on to Joseph and the Bible his whole life, I mean, he grew up well favored and loved, and he got a fancy coat and parents who favored him. And <laughs> you know, I mean, he had visions of being a leader. And well, where did that get him? Well, in a hole. He's yeah. he's abandoned by his loved ones in a hole. And just when you think things weren't gonna get even worse, they do. You know, he's a <laughs> he's a slave. He's, he's now a slave. So they went from bad to worse. And then you think, well, what next with Joseph? And it's like, oh, they got even worse because now you're in prison and you're in prison for years. And, and so you go from bad to worse to even worse. And you're like, wait, what are, where are my promised blessings? Wait, this isn't the life I was promised to live. If I do X, Y, and Z and live a certain way and try and certain them out, like where's, where's these blessings? And I hold on to him. I've held on to him since the day I got baptized, essentially, when everything shattered because I I follow God and try to, mm. to do what he I think he would want me to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, and and well, what about him? <laughs> what happened to him? And it's just like his whole life is passing him by. And that's when you start to wonder, you know, it, to me, my hardest trial is is passing time. You tell me I, I need to do something, no matter what it is, I'll be like, okay. But depending on how long it'll last, that okay yeah. will not last very long. But yeah. I mean, I Joseph. And wait is difficult. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, you want me to be homeless? Okay, I'll do it. Wait, wait, wait. How long do you want me to be homeless <laughs> for? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, oh, you want me to do that? Okay, I'll do that if you want me to. Wait, 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 wait. Unemployed for... How many years? Mm. You know what I mean? But but Joseph, I mean, his whole life is passing him by, but, you know, he did the, the dreams. And then he saved all of the, an entire civilization. And he was reunited with his family, but he, he didn't become a leader over just his small little area, over his own little family. He, it was a whole Egypt. <laughs> and he brought his family to a more abundant life with more land more everything and every sense of the way it was the ultimate magnification and i believe that if we stick with him regardless of passing time regardless of what makes logical sense we will see the ultimate magnification and like here like in this life not just hoping for you know heaven to be as good as we hope but like 
like here, like see your seasons mm-hmm. through, wait for the ultimate magnification, regardless of passing time. Don't let the adversary keep you from standing still because you are, you are losing. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So I'm sure your example does this plenty, but is there anything that you and your husband are doing to teach your kids to live this way, to follow promptings and to seek for the spirit? Um, we actually keep our kids. We, we let them make decisions with us. Mm-hmm. Um, they're part of that process with us. And it's sure prayer because we do want him involved and we want our kids to, to talk freely. I mean, we've got a four-year-old. It's just, you know what I mean? If, do you know what a yeah. four-year-old brain? Whoever's listening, you know, a four-year-old brain. We have on a age. Yeah. 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 But um, we want them to to talk freely. That is a huge thing for us. We make sure, sure. I think even my husband, just the last week we sat down and we had a conversation where, like, you know, I think we need to pray more in front of our kids instead of just letting them pray because we want them the example of how we can talk about anything rather than just these few things that we usually sometimes always resort to. And so we want them to talk freely in prayer, talk about whatever comes to your mind, whatever question, whatever you're working towards, whatever you want, I want you to to say it. And then when we're making big decisions, like when we were moving, I mean, Mercy's a year old and she's lived in three different places already. Mm-hmm. Gracie, our six-year-old, she's moved probably like 10 times. <laughs> and she's part of that. It's like, this is what we're thinking. Um, let's talk about it. Gracie, what are you feeling? What ideas came to your mind? She's like, I feel really good about this. I'm excited about this. Gracie, I'm excited about that too. I think that means something. Let's see how Christian's feeling. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just so we... We teach them by having them part of the process with us. Conversational prayer, um, paying attention to good thoughts and bad thoughts, or good feelings, bad feelings. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know, working it out with each other. It's not, I mean, it's not all the time that Ben and I feel the same way about something all the time, which is kind of confusing. It's like, wait, can God tell you different <laughs> things than God is telling me? <laughs> Yeah, that's been an interesting one. Ben's wanted to live somewhere, and I'm like, mm, I God did not tell me that when I woke up today. So what? <laughs> but that's when the so that means God's solving, trying to tell you, you need to talk about it. Yeah, but that's when problem solving together comes in, and you actually end up finding the answer through the what's the word I'm looking for from him having a certain idea that either is right or isn't right. But us trying to figure it out together could bring a new path that was meant to be the whole time. Yeah. Through synergy, right. Through synergizing ideas. Yeah. I don't know. I really like that. um, This idea of saying meaningful prayers in front, in front of the kids, Mm -hmm. because a lot of times when we have things that we're like really struggling with or really discussing or like trying to figure out how to deal with, we don't necessarily bring it up in front of the kids. Like we always pray with them mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we like pray for people who are sick and we pray I guess for I just, like family like, things. Yeah. I never thought to include them in like our prayers of like what's going on in our lives. Right. But so now, yeah. now that we talk about it, like, why wouldn't, I know. Right. It's, like there's probably some stuff that it's okay to not like necessarily pray w- or pray about in front of them, but why wouldn't we open that part of ourselves up to them more mm-hmm. like we opened that up that part of ourselves up to each other right. but 
like we need the kids to kind of Weigh in. see that man <laughs> yeah, that's cool okay gonna work on that one that's gonna be taking what the hotel thing really emphasized that because i feel like we we've done that but when you're all stuck in a single hotel room and and it's literally the hardest thing i've ever gone through like how can you how can you regardless of your talents and your efforts and your achievements be homeless with a family family of five you know what i mean it's just like it rips everything away from you and and of course i'm gonna cry and scream at god and you know what they had to be there for every bit of it because we're in the same room (laughs) (laughs) and so i think that was probably one of the greatest things to to really take that filter away for them to see like i am struggling and you know what that's okay you can struggle with God. If you're going to struggle with anyone, God's the best person to do it with. Well, and think about like what that that means for a child, like mm-hmm. watching that happen. Because like if if all they see is that their parents just say the same kind of vague platitudes over and over again over the years, it'd be easy to dismiss that as like, oh, that's just a cultural thing. But like you can't say that you can't say that it's just a cultural thing if you're watching your parents really struggle with God and like be angry at God mm-hmm. because you wouldn't be angry at God if it was just like some vague cultural thing. Right. Like you wouldn't wrestle with God if God, if, if that you're, if you're at the very least, if your parents just believed it was a cultural thing, they wouldn't have that struggle and that wrestling. Uh, and so I think if nothing else, that's a huge benefit you get from from having that open discussion that those kind of sincere prayers with your kids in front of your kids. Yeah. I, something I'll never forget. This was a few years ago. Now this girl, she came up to me and she goes, my mom never reads the, she's never read the book of Mormon and, and growing up having never seen her read it. It's like, well, why would I read it? Why would I do something? My mom doesn't even do like if she doesn't think it's important enough to do it like i'm not gonna do it right and and so she just didn't and she kind of struggled and when she got older she's like mom what do you got against the what do you got against the scriptures like how come you don't read them and she's like what are you talking about i have read them literally every day never missed a day 5 30 a.m every day before any of you woke up and then and and so that's when the biggest light bulb for me and how I parent, it's why are we waiting for quiet to do what we is think is most important to show our kids? What, what benefit is coming when they don't ever see you do what is most important? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Yeah, my I had a really, yeah. I, I still have a really good buddy. Um, and we were in school at the same time at, um, at BYU. And we trained for marathons together and so we'd be we'd go on these like hour and a half two hour long runs and we talked about this a lot he, he told me that his dad specifically said to him that parenting is kind of a weird area of life like the regular rules don't apply because usually like you want to you know give with one hand and not let the other hand know right like you want to kind of be a really good person and not strive to let other people see that you're doing the really good things that you're saying your prayers and you're reading your scriptures that you're paying your tithing you're, you're you are donating to the poor all that kind of stuff um you want to you don't want to do it for the praise of other people but with your children you kind of have to do it in a way that they can see it 
Uh, and it's, it's a little counterintuitive, but we have to approach the way that we uh, deal with our, the way we show our relationship with God in a different way with our children than with other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, we have one more question. I know we're close on time, um, but we want to, in 2021, start asking our guests what are you doing to make your home an outpost of heaven? And that can be something serious, spiritual, silly, funny, whatever is making your home an outpost of heaven. So Al, what are you and your family doing to create and maintain an outpost of heaven? Uh, painting and making this house a home. <laughs> we just moved in. <laughs> We're going to finish putting it together because it is an old house. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know. I love that uh, though. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna build, not build. We're not, we're not doing any home renovations, but we are creating within side. <laughs> this we've never owned a house before. Like I said, we moved around so much, and this is the first time where we really feel settled. And so we're all of us, even our kids, are taking great pride in in making it, you know, a place where we can do all the things that we need and love. Mm-hmm. So right now we're just in the phase of putting that together to feel comfortable and, and finally take a load off and <sighs> deep <Yeah>. breath. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. awesome. I think like some people might say, Oh, well that's not really helping with the whole spiritual aspect of making up. Oh, oh, it is. Yeah. If you don't feel yeah. comfortable yeah. in your house. You're not going to feel comfortable. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yep. for sure. And as you try and make your home, a place you love to be it's going to be easier to feel comfortable and therefore it's going to be easier mm-hmm. to feel the spirit we've rented and moved so much we don't we don't have a lot of things our kids have our you know their their toys fit in a single box is how often we've moved mm-hmm. and we've never lived in a home that we could call ours we never lived in a home that we felt comfortable enough because we couldn't decorate it we couldn't make it ours it was never our touch and it absolutely makes a difference on mm-hmm. your productivity level spiritually and um, else elsewise. Yeah, I totally agree. All right. Yeah. Thank you so much, Al. We're so grateful that you were able to come and join us. And I was personally spiritually strengthened by your testimony and your example. So thank you so much. Yeah, I'm, okay. I'm really excited to take some of these lessons away and uh, start applying them. Hopefully, our wonderful listeners pick something up that was useful and helpful and encouraging. You better have. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. No, I've really. my bedtime for this. You better have learned something. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah. So thank you so much. All right, thank guys. Thank you. Uh, please leave us a review. Go listen to us. Or I guess share this. You're listening to it now. So <laughs> <laughs> subscribe, rate, review, all the good things. And then yeah. go buy Al's books and read them. Okay. I know I will. <laughs> Uh, where can our fo- our listeners follow you? Everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> Pop me on Instagram and type me into Amazon and I have some bad jokes. Come on <laughs> for the bad jokes. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you for listening. Keep the faith. Bye.